As of Thursday, the Green Bay Packers now know who they'll be seeing at the NFL Combine, which released its list of more than 300 invited players. But who will they be paying really close attention to? To talk about the NFL Combine, we bring on Jeff Risden of DraftBreakdown.com. It's all coming up at Railbird Central next. Welcome to Railbird Central at 24-7 Sports and Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caribou. We're talking some Packers this football this, this morning. We're talking about the NFL Combine, which released its list of more than 300 invited players. To discuss that today, we bring on a guest. Expert interview. We bring on Jeff Risden of DraftBreakdown.com. Jeff, how you doing this morning? Wonderful, man. It's great to be with you to talk some combine and, and even Packers, uh, even though I'm uh, a Lions fan. Don't hold that against me, guys. Well, give me a little background on yourself. Uh, it's your first time on the show, so our listeners could get to know you. I mean, what besides draft breakdown, what, what else do you do? Yeah, uh, I'm most known for writing for Real GM. This is the uh, 12th year I've covered the NFL draft and the NFL for, for that website. Uh, I'm the uh, managing editor at Sideline Report, uh, which is a, a Lions fan site. Uh, some of the Chiefs at TV, uh, not quite as vast, though. Uh, I also uh, am on air on the ESPN radio affiliate in Grand Rapids here in, in West Michigan, uh, Mondays and Fridays from 3 to 6. So uh, I wear a lot of hats. Very cool. Well, we can catch your content at a lot of places then. But let's talk NFL uh, NFL draft and NFL combine here, Jeff. Uh, you know, they, after releasing the list, who are your combine surprises, the players you didn't necessarily think would get invited but did, and they'll be there? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm shocked that Duke Williams, uh, the wide receiver who quit at Auburn, uh, made it. Uh, quit Auburn. Uh, that, that's plain and simple. He didn't want to play football anymore. Uh, I don't know how anybody thinks that he wants to continue playing football. When he was there, he was a highly touted Juco transfer, uh, got absolutely destroyed in his first game by Daniel McDaniel from Kansas State, uh, made one, one play in that entire game that showed any sort of NFL potential, uh, and, and basically lived off that, uh, never achieved anything at Auburn, uh, Total underachiever, never never looked like he wanted to play football, and then he quit on the team this year. He got in. I don't I don't get that at all. Uh, it baffles me. Uh, Demarcus Robinson out of Florida, another wide receiver from the SEC, uh, got suspended from his team not one, not two, not three, but four different times. Uh, if you talk to teammates about him, they don't want him to ever be their teammate again. Uh, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But there's another guy that uh, I have a really hard time seeing the NFL having any interest in a guy like that. Uh, he, he is talented. He, he's much more talented than Williams. I'll give him that. But uh, just a guy that has never, you know, bought into to being a any sort of a professional. And 
he makes it. Uh, that, that that's very frustrating for people like me who who want to see people rewarded, mm-hmm. you know, who want to play football and who are good teammates and, and put up the good fight and, and do the right things. Uh, and these guys, neither one of them did that, and and they're there anyways. And that, that's very unfortunate to me. Some curious choices at the wide receiver position. Very interesting. Okay, Jeff, who are your combine snubs? The guys you thought that maybe would be invited and weren't. Yeah, uh, Michael Thomas, a wide receiver from Southern Mississippi, uh, is a he's very popular in the internet draft community. There's a reason why. Uh, I, I would certainly take him over either of the guys that we just mentioned. Uh, Aaron Green from uh, TCU, a running back, uh, not a great prospect, but but has shown enough that, that he merits consideration as, as a guy that you know in that Deion Lewis Patriots role, uh, or, or the role that uh, once upon a time Alex Green had for the uh, the Packers back in the day. Uh, out of Hawaii, he, he's that kind of guy. Um, I was actually surprised that Michael Caputo didn't get it uh, to get in from from Wisconsin. I thought he played great, and I was at Shrine Game practices. He was decent during the week. Uh, was dominant during the game. Had had the, the long pickoff of his uh, his Wisconsin teammate Joel Stave, who does definitely doesn't belong either. Uh, he, he's the quarterback that I would yank out, and I would put in uh, either Jake Coker or Jake Rudock over them. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, what did you make of the new rule of not inviting players that have been convicted of sexual assault and domestic violence uh, kind of instituted this year? Uh, I'm for it. I, I wish they'd go further than that. I, I would love to see guys who are, who get suspended by their team for, for drug violations or you know conduct, conduct detrimental to the team. I would like to see those guys omitted as well. Uh, put some put some uh, emphasis back on the pro days. Uh, pro days are a complete waste of time joke at this point. I've been to a couple in the last year. Uh, last year, one of them, there was nine scouts from teams there, and not one of them watched anything that happened on the field, not once. Uh, they were talking to each other. They were talking to agents. Uh, that's what it was all about. So the, the, the workout there was completely incidental. They barely talked to the players themselves. I'd like to see that change, uh, and, and that's an opportunity where, you know, okay, you have to earn the privilege to get to the combine. Uh, if you don't, then, then use your pro day wisely and, and make it worth something for, for the, the talent evaluator scan. That's, that's my hope of what happens there. What, what do you think? The, the scouts just go to talk to the players? Is that about it? Yeah, you know, I'd like to see them, you know, do a little bit more interviews, um, but also, you know, make it so – there's players there at the pro days that you actually want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, by and large, the, the, the big name guys, you know, they do at the, at the combine or, you know, they'll, they'll test at IMG down in Florida or they're, wherever they're yeah. working out and, and sit on that. You know, for, for the small school guys, it's different, but you generally don't find small school guys, you know, that, uh, that have those sorts of backgrounds as well that are, yeah. that are getting into the NFL. Some, some do, but uh, not a lot. We're talking to Jeff Risden of DraftBreakdown.com, Real GM, and a bunch of other places here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Uh, Jeff, what do you think of the injury to Jalen Smith of Notre Dame and how that's going to uh, you know, affect his draft stock? This will be kind of a, a place uh, teams will be able to dig into his injury at the NFL Combine. Oh, definitely. And, and they'll get to see his progress. He's only, what, like six weeks uh, I guess it'll be seven weeks out from, from suffering that, that devastating knee injury. Uh, there are people who have come out and said that, you know, he's going to be ready for the, uh, the 2016 season. I believe that when I see it, I, I don't doubt the veracity of the people who are, are, are trying to spread that. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's a very significant injury. And, and knee injuries, the NFL has found clearly you do not rush back from them. Uh, it, it, it definitely is something that you need to wait out. Um, I, I was told 
by two different teams uh, down at the Senior Bowl practices that he was the number one defensive player on their board uh, before his injury. Uh, and I have a feeling that the teams are still going to value him very highly. Uh, he, he does so many things so well. He's a freakish athlete. Uh, I think as long as he recovers from his knee injury, he'll still be a very good NFL player, and I think teams are going to see it that way. And I, I still think he's in the top 10, top 12 so, sort of range, uh, whereas before I think he was I, – I, I had him definitely in pen to San Diego at the number three spot and was told that that was with good reason. Uh, now I, I, I don't see them taking a retro year, but there are other teams yeah. that you know could, could possibly do that. Or it's one of those deals where you know he, he trade he trade back a little bit and, and take him later. And I, I think you're definitely going to see that with him. He, he's, I'm not as high on him as most people. I, I I have problems with the fact that he doesn't break down on when he's at top speed while he runs past an inordinate amount of tackles. Uh, and that's something that uh, for, for for whatever reason the criticism just doesn't stick with that. Uh, there are holes in his game, but uh, he's still a phenomenal talent. Uh, definitely worthy of top 15 pick. Uh, what do you think about the stack of Mississippi defensive lineman Robert Kemdiche, uh, who is suspended from Mississippi for the bowl game? How is that going to affect him and where he goes in the NFL draft? Yeah, he's a tough one. Uh, uh, one of the things that I get paid to do is do mock drafts, and he is a he's a real pickle to figure out where he's going to place. <laughs> and here's a guy who, who he jumped out of a fourth floor hotel window with a lit bong behind him. I mean, how do you how do NFL teams value that? Uh, there's a guy he's he's a phenomenal physical talent, but he didn't have any production in, in Mississippi. Now, some of that was the fact that he he did deal with a lot of double teams uh, and lost some talent around him, especially earlier in his career. But yeah, he's there's a lot of really puzzling question marks there. So I'll be honest, I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, he could go in the teens. He could go in the bottom of the second round. I think it's, the combine is going to be important for him. The the interviews, the team interviews, where they fly him into the facility and sit him down and say, "Hey, what's your deal?" I, I think those are the most critical things for him because uh, right now he's he's a giant question mark. Uh, Michigan State quarterback Connor Cook could have participated in the Senior Bowl but declined the invitation, making the combine kind of his first chance to make an impression in front of NFL personnel types. Uh, do you think that was a good decision for him? No, it was definitely not a good decision for Cook to skip that. And a lot of people down there were, were saying that, not just the media but the NFL types. They're like, hey, why, why isn't this guy here? Why doesn't he want to compete? Why doesn't he want to answer the, the questions that are that are hanging over him? Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of the questions over him are character-related. Uh, not necessarily that he's a bad dude, but just that he doesn't really – he wasn't elected a captain. Uh, if you talk to Michigan State teammates, and I have, uh, I, I live in West Michigan, I have access to the team pretty well. It's not that he's not liked, but it's not – it's one of those deals where he's just not anybody's guy. He's not one of the guys. And I think uh, that you can succeed in the NFL – to some extent like that but but it's it's a it's a very valid criticism that he needs to step up and say you know okay i'm, I'm just very comfortable with the, the circle that i'm in uh and i'm, I'm good with that you know when, when we're on the field there's there's no problems with leadership and that's that's definitely true the players have his back between the white lines and i think that's what's ultimately important he could go a long way in dispelling some of those you know growing urban myths about his uh character or lack thereof uh, had he showed up in mobile mm-hmm. and he didn't and that was unfortunate for him Interesting. Kind of reminds me, in a way, uh, of a Jay Cutler type of quarterback in terms of, you know, is is he one of the guys? I, I'm not really sure. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Very good analogy. 
Ohio State linebacker Darren Lee is one of the top sophomores that declared for the draft. Do you think he's ready for the NFL at a relatively young age? Uh, I do not. And uh, I, somebody actually asked me this the other day, and I, I, I responded, the, the ultimate goal job description of a linebacker is to terminate the play. He doesn't do that very well. He's freakishly athletic. He might even be more athletic than, than Miles Jack or Jalen Smith. Uh, I doubt it, but it, it's going to be close. Uh, but he just doesn't translate that into ending plays on the football field very well. Yeah, he, he can turn and run and cover with guys. And, yeah, he can get to the point of attack pretty well. He misses a lot of tackles. He, like Jalen Smith, he has that great speed, but he doesn't know how to harness it all the time when, he, when he's playing in, in pursuit and in chase down and in tackle mode. That, and that's I, I want to I wait on him for a couple of years. I want to be the team that signs him to a second contract after the first team drafts him in the middle of the first round and, and is disappointed that he isn't all that he, he, you think he should be. Uh, and then you get him on the, on the rebound, and he winds up being uh, – I compare him to DeAndre Levy here in Detroit, uh, a, a very good player who took some time before he developed into a good NFL player. Uh, I, I see Lee in that sort of, of, of light. Interesting. I uh, got one last question for you here, Jeff. What's your opinion on Arkansas tight end Hunter Henry? Do you think he's worthy of a first-round draft choice uh, and kind of, you know, becoming the first tight end off the board, so to speak? Uh, I do think he will be the first tight end off the board, uh, uh, and he probably deserves it. Uh, it's hard because with all those SEC tight ends, and there's a lot of them, they just didn't get the production. Uh, they, they just weren't an integral part of their offenses, and it's not their fault. Uh, he's a very good prospect. Uh, I would not take him in the first round. Uh, I, I would wait till the second round. There's a lot of guys uh, clustered at the top of the tight end rankings. Uh, he is probably the best one. I, in fact, I would say he is the best one. But there's very little differentiation between him and, and what you can get uh, with, with some other guys You know, at, at the bottom of the second or, or even the third round. Uh, I know Green Bay needs a playmaking tight end. Uh, having watched them, you know, from from the other side of the fence, playmaking tight end is the number one hole I see on the Green Bay roster. So I I, I understand why Packers fans would want him, uh, but I, I I would I would go somewhere else in the first round and and, and get a guy in the second or the third round, and, and you're not going to miss much. Yeah, interesting, Jeff. Thanks so much for talking a little football today. We appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your insight. We'll send people to Draft Breakdown, to Real GM, and uh, check out your content there. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. Thanks for joining us. Jeff Risden, like I said, DraftBreakdown.com, RealGM.com, all sorts of places you can check out his stuff. Thanks to him for joining us. Thanks for you, the listener, for joining us as well as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. (laughs) Breaking news, honestly, right before we came on air, Here's the report from, I first saw it from Adam Kaplan of uh, ESPN.com. The Packers and defensive lineman Latroy Guyon have agreed in principle to a three-year, $11.25 million deal per league sources. uh, That Literally minutes before the show started here, so that's all I know right now. So what is that, you know? A little more than $3 million a year, a little less than $4 million a year, somewhere in that range. Very surprising to me. For, I thought the Packers would prioritize B.J. Raji in that role uh, as kind of the defensive lineman to keep. And, you know, so let's take a look at Latroy Guyon's season in 2015. Uh, <laughs> you know, it started with the... 
uh, off-season arrest in which he was had a large amount of marijuana and you know an unregistered gun and you know got a lot of negative attention for that matter uh, ends up you know kind of getting a, a plea deal I guess you could I'm not sure if that's the actual legal term there I remember there being some kind of you know, interesting, you know, laws in the state of Florida that, you know, it, it might not be a, a plea agreement, but something along those lines. So, yeah, you know, d didn't get any jail time. I think he had to pay a fine uh, and, and largely moved on from that. And, you know, his first season in Green Bay in 2014, Latroy Guyon really did a good job replacing B.J. Raji, who was lost for the season. And, you know, I think I think Latroy Guyon was rusty uh, after, you know, he was suspended by the NFL for violating the league's substance abuse policy. And, you know, they missed the first three games of the year. And I, I think he was rusty upon coming back. I think he was a little bit slow in the beginning of the year and really got better as the, the season went on. Where Latroy Guyon is really valuable where he is at his best is in the goal line and short yardage situations. He's really, really good there in which he can, you know, plug some holes, stuff some running backs, things like that. The The disappointment in 2015 was he really looked to be a pass rusher in 2014. He, he had like you know, four and a half sacks, I think it was, but you know, for a nose tackle, that's, that's a nice number, uh, kind of a, a pleasant surprise in 2014. And then 2015, there, there was no pass rush from Latroy Guyon, which it, you know, I mean, you, you want, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you want the entire package. That's, that's why I guess I thought this was a little bit surprising is because he's he's more you know he hasn't shown to be consistent in both phases of the game for one number number two he's got you know already been suspended once uh, for violating the uh, NFL substance abuse policy if he were to get suspended again we're talking like ten games uh, so that's another reason and, and now I don't know what happens with BJ Raji unless it's you know he's kind of on another one-year deal for a small amount of money two million dollars something like that I, I can see how the Packers want guy on they they want that run stuff or I mean that's that's he he's as good as anything the Packers have on the roster as a run stuffer uh, I mean pretty much on par with with a guy like Mike Daniels. He's bigger than Mike Daniels. You, you know, that's that's why they want him out there. Latroy Guyon is a nail eater. You, you know, he spits nails. I mean, he's uh when they they talk about country strong and uh he kind of fits the bill there as well. These these are the reasons you want him. Now, of course, the reasons you don't uh, in addition to his off-season arrest, you know, there was of course the investigative report by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that showed a history of domestic violence. And I kind of wonder, you know, why why are the Packers here? We're, we're a month away from the start of free agency, and they're already signing Latroy Guyon to a deal worth averaging more than $3 million a year for three years? I, I mean, you, you go out, you, I think here, Latroy Guyon hits the street. Teams are scared of all these things I just mentioned. The arrest, the, the, the suspension, the uh, domestic violence, who wants to pay big time money, uh, you know, to a guy like that? They they don't want to invest very much. You can get him for 
relatively cheap. Cheaper than I think what the Packers paid here. You know, those those things scare me. The, the, the history of domestic violence. All it takes is one more incident, and, and who knows what happens to him then. He, he could be out of the NFL or... It, it, you know, I it's it's a little bit scary how much the Packers have invested in him uh, at this point. A little bit interesting. Uh, I'm surprised to see it. I'm surprised to see it so early, too, a month away from the start of free agency. That being said, they got a run stuffer. They got a guy who's going to be there, who's going to do the best job on the entire defensive line at stuffing the run, especially, especially in short yardage situations. Interesting move by the Green Bay Packers. We'll see how it plays out. But in other news, um, you know, things that have happened since our last episode of Railbird Central back on Wednesday. Uh, one uh, big, big item here, kind of big, um, in terms of uh, Kevin Green, former Green Bay Packers outside linebackers coach. Uh, Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette caught up with him uh, out in San Francisco at the site of the Super Bowl. But uh, more importantly, perhaps at least as it pertains to this story, where the uh, voting for the Pro Football Hall of Fame takes place. And Pete Doherty is the Packers representative on the selection committee. And kind of, you know, he's the one who presented Brett Favre. So just while he was out there, he interviewed uh, Kevin Green, who is also part of the class of 2016, and congratulations to Kevin Green for making it into the Hall of Fame as a player. Uh, we kind of know him in Green Bay more as an assistant coach. Uh, but the word is Kevin Green wants to get back into coaching. He stepped away unexpectedly from the Packers after the 2013 season, so he's now been away from Green Bay for the past two years. Uh, and, and the reason he did so was to spend more time with family. And in particular, he had a son who was entering his last uh, two years of high school, really wanted to spend time with him, really wanted to help him. But I mean, just just family in general. Uh, I, I think he was, you know, regretting not getting enough time, you, you know, like when his son was growing up, things like that. In an admirable reason, you know, if you're going to step away, you, that's that's why you want somebody to do it. I mean, you don't want them stepping away for problems, I guess, or or whatever, what have you. Um, but but Kevin Green wants to come back, and you know, of course, I think the question people ask is, you know, should the Packers welcome him back? And, you know, I, I think Kevin Green was a good coach. I think everybody remembers him for the, the moment in, in Super Bowl XLV where he extor, exhorts to uh, Clay Matthews, it is time. And, and that was the moment when Clay Matthews just, you know, seconds later um, uh, forces the big fumble in one of the key moments in the game. Uh, so, you know, a motivator is what Kevin Green is, a very fiery guy, just like he was on the on the football field as a player. And, it, you know, it's it's interesting because you got the Green Bay Packers, you, you know, you look at their coaches and they have not hired a full time outside linebackers coach since Kevin Green left. You know, what they did was they put Winston Moss in charge of all the linebackers inside and outside. So he's the overarching linebackers coach. Uh, but when they break up, you know, when inside linebackers work, you know, on one thing and outside linebackers work on another at practice, you know, it's Scott McCurley 
who is uh, working with the outside linebackers, and his title is assistant linebackers coach. You know, they, they could have made him just the, the outside linebackers coach. They didn't. He's the assistant. And you kind of wonder why they did that. You know, why, why are you not giving him the full-time title? Uh, and it's, it's always been a little bit curious to me. I, nobody's ever, you know, come out and talked about that from the Packers organization. You know, I, I sure they, they, they don't want the awkward question. So, uh, they don't, you know, come out and address it. And there's been very few chances for the media to ask. I mean, I suppose there's been, but I mean, uh, it's kind of a thing you don't want you don't really address in the run-up to a game during the middle of the season, uh, per se. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I think I would certainly like Kevin Green to be on the staff. You, you feel bad for a guy like Scott McCurley because, I mean, if, 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 you know, hypothetical here, they were to bring Kevin Green back, all of a sudden that basically, you know, is, is a demotion then for McCurley unless they reassign him somewhere else. And, you know, I mean, did did he do anything to deserve a demotion? Uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure. You know, I I can't sit there and say, you know, the outside linebackers played so poorly that Scott McCurley deserves a demotion. I, I don't think that either. So it's an awkward situation. I, I see why the Packers probably are not going to bring him back. In fact, in an interview with Dom Capers, he said there's no room, no room for him on staff. So... Uh, I suppose that's what, you know, Kevin Green had to deal with when he chose to left, you know, leave the organization. So um, anyway, uh, it's just interesting, though, looking to come back, but may not be with the Packers. So that's that's where the status of Kevin Green stands right now. And just one more news item in the past 48 hours or so. Uh, Packers cornerback Casey Hayward is signed with a new agent and uh, also just so happens to be the agent of two other Packers defensive backs, Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Quentin Rollins. And you can understand certainly maybe they uh, uh, kind of influenced Casey Hayward and be like, you know, our agent's a really good guy. You should you should go with him too. And, and Casey Hayward, of course, is coming up on unrestricted free agency. And I've, you know, when I heard the news, I tried to think about it a little bit. I'm like, you know, is there more than meets the eye, you know, with – with two other Packers cornerbacks being represented by the same uh, same agent here already, you know, might that indicate he's more likely to return? And you know, I I don't think you can read between the lines and and come to a conclusion like that. Uh, I think it's just merely personal preference for Casey Hayward. I think he wanted an agent that he thinks is going to get him the best possible deal in free agency. Uh, whether it's with the Packers or whether it's not with the Packers. Um, so uh, that's the way, uh, you know, I think, you know, Casey Hayward thought the situation through. And, um, it, you know, that's that's just his hope uh, is that he's going to get a big deal the next time around. And I tend to think it's not going to be with Green Bay. Uh, I tend to think they're going to let him go because, They've invested so much into the cornerback position in last year's rookie class. They had four rookie cornerbacks on the roster. Of course, everybody knows the the first two draft choices, Demarius Randall and Quinn Rollins. But then they got the two rookies, uh, you know, Ladarius Gunter and then uh, Robertson Daniel, uh, who was just, uh, you know, 
promoted to the roster the very last playoff game. So four rookie cornerbacks, I, I just don't think it's a priority to keep Casey Hayward. If he leaves, if he signs a nice contract somewhere else, the Packers might get a compensatory draft pick for his loss. Um, so um, it, that's there's that to consider as well. Um, but Casey Hayward signing with a new agent, that's the big news regardless. Finally, the day ahead. In the world of the Green Bay Packers this Friday and continuing over the course of the weekend, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers competes in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the annual PGA Tour event. Actually, the tournament started on Thursday, and Rodgers and playing partner Jerry Kelly, a Wisconsin native, by the way, uh, you can imagine that was all, all arranged ahead of time to make sure that happened. Uh, and I like Jerry Kelly as a, as a PGA Tour pro, too. Um, but... Um, so Rodgers and Kelly shoot minus eight, uh, eight under par on Thursday, putting them in a tie for 12th place, which is pretty good because there's 156 other teams in the tournament. So 12th out of, out of 156, putting them in good shape heading into the weekend here. So we'll see how they do on Friday. They play the Monterey Peninsula Country Club on Friday. It's that tournament where they play three different courses in three days uh, before they make a cut uh, for the final day of play. Um, so um, uh, they're, they're in good shape for now, um, and uh, we'll see on Sunday if they're still still alive. And there's a lot of ways to watch this tournament. If you want to see Aaron Rodgers, if you want to see how his, his surgically repaired knee is holding up out on the golf course. And that's, that's no small thing. I mean, when you're swinging a golf club, there's, there's a lot of torque involved there, uh, that can be very stressful on the lower body. Um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not as stressful as playing football perhaps, but, uh, still stressful nonetheless. Uh, but a lot, like I said, a lot of opportunities to, you know, see him if you want it, uh, you know, on, on Friday, it's on the Gulf channel. I, I think, you know, some like three to 6 PM central time, something, maybe that's Eastern time somewhere along those lines, check your local listings. Um, I, and then over the weekend, I think it's on NBC. Uh, so a couple different places there it's streaming online, something like PGA tour live. If you Google that. Uh, you can uh, watch a stream online or listen to the event on PGA Tour Radio, which is also simulcast on Sirius XM, satellite radio. So lots of ways to follow coverage of that tournament if you're interested in that kind of thing, to follow along with Aaron Rodgers over the weekend. But no football. First, first weekend with no football here uh, since the season started. So uh, this will be the closest thing you're going to get over the weekend is a golf tournament with Aaron Rodgers in it. So uh, there's that there for your uh, viewing and listening enjoyment. And that'll do it for today's show. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to Jeff Risden of DraftBreakdown.com for joining us as we talk some NFL Combine topics. And... Um, uh, we'll see you again on Monday uh, as this show airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. The live edition of the show podcasted it on demand later in the day. My call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, the one small thing we ask of you, um, uh, go to 
uh, iTunes and give us a rating. Uh, search Cheesehead TV and uh, it'll pop right up. And uh, just a brief rating and a review. We'd really appreciate it uh, because this show is free of charge. No subscription, no paywall. It's the one small thing we ask in return. Uh, helps us get word out about the show. Um, thanks a lot, folks. We'll see you later. Have a good weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with another edition of the show. I leave you today with a song called Believe the Lie by Umphreys McGee on Psy Fidelity Records. See you, everyone. Go Pack Go.